from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Be sure to visit our ministry website, djkm.org, for all kinds of great digital, audio, video, and print resources. Who doesn't want to be free? As former President George W. Bush once said in a speech before the United Nations, this much we know with certainty, the desire for freedom resides in every human heart, and that desire cannot be contained forever by prison walls or martial laws or secret police. Over time and across the earth, freedom will find a way. And yet here in one of the freest nations on earth, much of our public conversation these days still has to do with demanding rights, privileges, and new freedoms. Somehow, there's a sense that we're still not free. Slavery was one of the greatest evils of the world, and yet it still persists today. Some are in slavery to other people. Others are in slavery to their desires, addictions, and pleasures. Do you desire true freedom? If so, there's much to be learned from the Apostle Paul's letter to a slave owner in the Bible. Dr. Kennedy tells us more in his message, The No Good Who Made Good. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from a tiny and yet mighty epistle found in the New Testament, one that most Christians are not too familiar with. It's called Philemon, the epistle of Paul, the apostle to Philemon. It is a private letter of Paul to this man, and it is a letter which truly changed the world. Perhaps you will observe as we read it together in what way the world was changed. Hundreds of millions of people had their entire lives transformed by this letter. Would that our letters could accomplish a fraction of that much. May we hear the inspired and infallible word of the living God. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we 
have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him. That is mine own bowels, or my own heart, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever." not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And may the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of this letter illumine it to our hearts and apply it to our lives. And may his name ever be praised. Amen. The No Good Who Made Good is our topic today. And it's a story about a character who is not very well known in or out of the Bible. In fact, I'm sure that there are a great many church members that would not be familiar with his name. Onesimus, a remarkable story of a man whose encounter with the Apostle Paul and the resulting letter which I read to you today literally changed the world. It's written from one who was a prisoner of Jesus Christ in a Roman prison because of the faith which he and you mutually have. You see, Philemon was a spiritual 
convert of Paul's. He was a spiritual son of the Apostle Paul. And he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Isn't it delightful to have someone come and tell you that I always pray for you? I pray for you every day. I've had many people tell me that, and I want you to know how tremendously appreciative I am of that, as is every minister of the gospel who should hear such a comment and every true believer. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love. He also said, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. So he commends him. This first part of the letter is all commendation. He says, Wherefore I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin you or command you to do that which is necessary to be done, but for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And here we have praise for Philemon, a Christian convert living at Colossae. Now the second part is the plea that Paul makes, a plea for Onesimus. I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus. Now, was Onesimus the son of Paul? Well, certainly not in the physical sense of the word, but in the spiritual sense, he very definite, definitely was. Whom I have begotten in my bonds. Somehow, Onesimus had fallen into the same dungeon prison with Paul. Now, we don't know too much about him. There are those that think that he was born in 33 A.D. and became a slave at the age of 17 in the house of Philemon in Colossae. Now, slavery was a horrible institution. There were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And Onesimus had had enough of that slavery, and one night he silently withdrew himself, perhaps because Philemon had become a Christian. He had been more gentle to the slaves than others had been. Perhaps he had even taken away the chains. And uh, now this man makes his escape. First of all, however, he robs Philemon's home and steals some money. And then he gradually makes his way across the Roman Empire to the great metropolis of Rome. And there he mingles and mixes and disappears into the vast throngs of people until perhaps he stole something else, fell afoul of the Roman legions, and was cast into prison. And there he met the Apostle Paul. No doubt they talked about from whence he had come, from Colossae, and Paul said that he knew someone in Colossae, a fine man by the name of Philemon. Ah, alas, how God had pursued him. And then at length, no doubt, the whole story came out. 
And he told about his escape and about his robbing the house of Philemon, his master, Paul's friend. And in time, Paul shared with him the glorious, glad tidings of the gospel of Christ, of the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ, who could set him free from the bondage of sin and could forgive him for all of his debts. And Philemon, Onesimus rather, embraced Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And for some time, he ministered to Paul there in prison. But he knew his conscience told him that he had to set things at right again. He had to return. And Paul told him the same thing, that that was necessary. Here is his plea. He makes a play on the name Onesimus, which means profitable or useful. And in verse 11, he says of Onesimus, whom he had begotten in his bonds, who was born anew by the gospel and the Spirit of God, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive, that he is, as it were, a part of my own heart, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But he said he would not do that without his consent, that what Philemon did would not be of necessity, but would be done willingly, as every gift or giving of a Christian should be done willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. And over and over again there is this play on words and this brilliant plea for him. Now, now, however, as a servant, and here he comes to the most crucial text in this letter. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother. Not merely a brother, but a brother beloved. Especially to me, but now much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And that text, my friends, changed the world. Paul did not rail here against slavery. Paul did not try to bring about a revolution. But what God had done and what he had done through Paul was to create a new relationship, a revolution in the hearts of men. And this new relationship of beloved brother is hard to carry on when that beloved brother is a slave. Well, what happened? Did Onesimus go back? Did Philemon receive him? Because a returning slave often was simply crucified as an example to others. Well, we read in Colossians 4.9, the only other mention of him, and he talks about Onesimus, a faithful brother, fellow servant. And so we see that there at Colossae, apparently he has not only continued faithful in Christ, but apparently he has been manumitted by Philemon. He has been liberated, set free, as could be done 
by any slave owner if he wished, and sometime they were even adopted into the family. So did he make good? Well, to follow the story on a little bit further, we need to turn to the writings of the anti-Nicene fathers, the early fathers of the first three centuries. In the first century, there was a godly Christian man by the name of Ignatius, who lived in Antioch, north of Jerusalem. And he had been taken captive by the Romans and was being transported to Rome, where he was to be condemned to die for his faith in Christ. But as they slowly made their way across the land, passing through what is now Turkey, what was then Asia Minor, they came to the town of Smyrna. And uh, Ignatius, the great early saint of the church, wrote at Smyrna a number of letters. And one of them, and this was about 50 years later, one of them was written to the church at Ephesus, to the bishop of the church at Ephesus, to Bishop Onesimus, bishop of the church of Ephesus. Yes, that no good did make good, but more accurately, he was made good by God. Because, you see, Jesus Christ is in the business of transforming men. He makes bad men good. Now, of course, many people don't think that they are bad men. <clears throat> they have never been a thief or a slave or a criminal. And yet the Scripture makes it very clear that there is none good, no, not one, that all of us are simply one shade of bad or another, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we are all in need of that grace and forgiveness of God. We have seen the praise for Philemon, the tact exhibited. We have seen the plea for Onesimus that he be received back not as a slave but as a beloved brother. And then there is the pledge that Paul concludes with, which I think is very interesting. It's found in the 18th verse. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. Paul usually wrote through an amanuensis, a secretary, but here he writes this letter with his own hand. He had a problem with his eyes, we believe, and he could only write large letters because he could not see well enough. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. And then he adds, quietly, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self beside. Paul says, I will not mention to you what you owe me. He has just given him an IOU. He quickly follows with a you owe me. And he says, Philemon, 
you owe me your very soul. We sometimes forget what we owe to that person who took the time, made the effort to share with us the glad tidings that have brought us life eternal. But Paul would have us remember here what we owe to those who are our spiritual parents as well as that which we owe to our physical parents as well. I will repay it. You know, this story of Onesimus is a story of every man. Perhaps you didn't see yourself here. Martin Luther said that we are all Onesimi. Think about it. Slaves to sin, we are each one, doulos, the Greek word for the lowest form of bondage, which Paul uses over and over again for us. We who have been bruised by the fall, who have fallen into transgression and sin of every sort, we are the bond slaves of sin. We are owned by God. Well, we have one advocate and only one who is Jesus Christ, the only one who is the equal with the Father who is the owner of all of us, and he came to intercede for us. But Paul points out a fact which is part of the warp and woof of the moral universe, and that is if there is a debt, the debt must be paid. And Jesus Christ said that very thing. If he oweth thee aught, Father, I will pay it. Ah, Onesimus, are you still a bond slave, a fugitive, a rebel? Or have you heard the glad tidings of the advocate who came, who paid it all with his own blood and offers you now a place in his eternal home? He departed for a while that you should receive him back forever. How wondrous that is. Ah, my friends, if you would be rid of the shackles of sin, the habits that bind and control your life, then lift up your eyes unto the cross. There is the only one who can set you free and make you profitable to God and enable you to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. May we pray. O oh God, there are many Onesimi here today, some still in that phase of their lives where they are bond-slave fugitives, where they are rebels, where they have fled from Thee. And I pray, O oh God, that right now by Your Holy Spirit Thou wilt irresistibly draw them unto Christ, that they might see Him who died to pay it all. We thank Thee, O Christ, that all that we owed, Thou hast paid. And we pray, O God, that You will set some free, 
as they pray to thee right now, saying, O Christ, Redeemer of men, come into my heart. Break the shackles that bind. Make me anew. Create within me a clean heart. And help me from this day to go forth and to follow thee, that I might be useful unto thee. In Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy, Jesus himself says, Behold, I make all things new. He also says, Whoever believes in me has everlasting life. I hope these verses will encourage you as you begin your new life in Jesus Christ. We also want to help you by sending you the book, Beginning Again. It's designed to help you grow in your new faith as you learn how to read and study the Bible and how to pray and much more. It's yours when you write to our address or call our toll-free number. Just ask for Beginning Again. God bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy just shared with us, biblical truth brings real freedom. As Jesus himself said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Ultimately, God's truth brought political human freedom to slaves in Europe and North America, and it brings spiritual freedom from sin and death. That's why it's so crucial for us to understand Christ's lordship over every area of life. The truth of Christ transforms every human endeavor, but we need to understand God's will for the various spheres of our lives for that to take place. We have developed a new ministry resource to help you go deeper in that understanding. It's our new book, Make Your Life Count. Discover God's plan for the rest of your life. There is simply no other book quite like this out there, which in readable, concise, understandable language explains how God relates to each of the areas of life that surround us, from our work to the government to education to family. We want to send you a copy today as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. I and several members of our ministry team have written the chapters in this book to help you see in a fresh, new, clear way how God is at work in everything in the universe. False ideas have spiritually paralyzed many Christians. Clear away the fog and get the clarity of a true biblical worldview. Get the brand new book, Make Your Life Count. Discover God's plan for the rest of your life as our thanks for your generous donation. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. We at D. James Kennedy Ministries are committed to following in the footsteps of Dr. Kennedy 
standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.